really, really lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, as Louise said, we are starting uh, on a new series this morning. So if it's your first morning with us, or even if you're here with us uh, every week, if we're a church family for you, it is a great morning as we join together to just head into the next four weeks. Um, you know, as we do this, we journey together as church, don't we? We lean as a community uh, into something that's important and on the heart of God. Um, and that's my prayer for us as we do this uh, next four weeks, that we'll be challenged, but ultimately that God would be in the work of transforming us and transforming how we, how we do life. If you've been with us for any amount of time, you'll know that we preach in series here um, at the Vineyard. We don't do standalone talks. We will be leaning into an area, a subject, or a, a chunk of the Bible. And for this next four weeks, we are going to be focusing on the whole area of money. And what we're going to be doing is, week by week, we're going to be taking some key themes, um, which we believe are important for us uh, to focus on. And as I say, journeying through them together to help us grow and develop a biblical view of money. And for us, whether we're in the room this morning or at home online, this morning we come with a broad range of upbringings and experiences and current circumstances when it comes to our finances. But for all of us, the broad truth probably is that more often than not, it is a really hidden area of our lives. For most of us, we won't be regularly talking openly and honestly about the issues and the challenges of money that we face. It can even be within our marriages something that's quite difficult to talk about. It's very, very personal. But it is important that in the church it is something that we are talking about because as we go through day-to-day -day life, culture is talking to us about money all the time, whether we realize it or not. And our finances and our relationship with money, it can be complex, can't it? It can be one of the biggest causes of stress and anxiety for us. If there's something that's going to keep us up at night, it may well be money. And it can even sometimes be the cause of pain or even deep shame for us. You know, wherever we sit this morning, we may feel that our current financial situation isn't where it should be, that maybe we should have more than we do at the moment. We should be further along financially with our savings or our planning, or that we just should be doing it a little bit better than we are. We are often probably sat here thinking that surely the person next to us is, has got it much more together than we have. We may be carrying regret for current or past financial decisions. But as we start this series this morning, I want to encourage us that no matter what feelings and emotions and concerns this whole subject of money brings up for you, you know, like every significant area of our lives, no one arrives at the destination of having our lives perfect when it comes to this area of money. It's a journey that we're all on, isn't it? We're having to navigate the times when things are more comfortable and the whole subject feels a bit easier to approach, right through to the more challenging times. But hopefully as we go along, and particularly as we do this with Jesus, as we do this in community with him, we are gaining some wisdom along the way and we're growing. 
So for us this week, as we start this series, it is a great opportunity for us just to have a bit of a health check of where we are in terms of how we view money and some of our mindsets and the habits uh, that we have, which as we look through the Bible, it shows us it's really important that we get a good grasp on some of these things. For us culturally as a country at the moment, we're all currently living uh, through this cost of living crisis, aren't we? We may be really aware of that, um, where these influences, these things which are outside of our control of interest rates, cost of energy. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when you do your weekly shop, you look at the the number at the bottom and you think, really? You know, the basics of life have just increased for us. And if nothing else, I don't know about for you, but certainly for me, it's just been that huge reminder that we cannot build our lives looking to money for security. Along with all of that, we're also heading into what for most people is the most financially pressured time of the year with Christmas approaching. I was in a shop uh, in the week and I came out feeling like I needed to redesign my own home. It was like Christmas crockery, Christmas cushions. You know, my whole life needed to look different if I was going to do Christmas better. The pressures of what we should be filling our life with are huge. And money will surprise us, it will unsettle us. It will sometimes feel like we've had the the rug pulled out from under us. But for us as Christians, of those looking um, for what God says of how we do life better, we believe that the safest place for us to build our lives and the safest place for us to put our faith is in the person of Jesus And as we begin to look at the Bible, we find that Jesus has a lot to say about money. There is only one thing that Jesus speaks more about in the Bible than money, and that is the kingdom of God. And often when he's explaining the kingdom of God, he draws money into those stories as well. But the fact that he mentions money so much, it means a few things for us which are really helpful as we start this morning. It means that how we deal with money, how we view it, it really matters to him. And that dealing with money well is vital to us doing life well, and he wants to help us do that. But it also means, and for us particularly this morning, to pay attention to, what he's showing us is that money has the potential to have a powerful influence on our lives. And it's something for us to be aware of and to take notice of as we walk through life. But we want to acknowledge what we want to lean into over the next four weeks is that Jesus has come to show us a better way, the best way to do life. And he absolutely includes our money in that. But as we start this series, there's also a few things just to be really clear on how we view money uh, as a church and what we're going to be speaking into over the next few weeks. We absolutely believe that money is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's not something to be desired and chased after, but equally, it's not something to be feared either. And most importantly, we do not believe that your financial status is a sign of God's love or his heart for you. And uh, for some of you in this room this morning, you may have heard uh, of something called the prosperity gospel. 
And what that is, uh, is it's basically a belief that your financial well-being is a reflection of your faith. If you've got enough faith and you've done the right things to please God, then you will have health, both physical and financial. And, you know, your bank balance would be a sign of that, your, your quality of life. But equally, a prosperity gospel would also say that if you're struggling, well, that's a sign that you don't have enough faith, even to the point of encouraging you to give more and more in an effort to please God and to be blessed financially in a return. We want to be really clear as a church. We, that's not what we believe. We, we don't believe that that's biblical. Um, and it's not the standpoint that we teach from as a church. But what we do believe is that absolutely the Bible has a lot to say about money. But it is wisdom that will help us step into freedom. And at the core of all that God has to say is the issue of our hearts. And that's where we're going to start this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, either a proper paper copy, or you've got it on your phones. We're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and it will come up on the screen behind me as well. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, Rich and I have really been interested in this story over the last couple of years about Wrexham Football Club. Now, that may be surprising to you if you know us. Rich isn't really into football, and I am even less into football than he is. But what we do love is a really good story, and we've got quite into this one. Now, for those of you whose uh, geography is as bad as mine is, uh, Wrexham is a town in Wales which is home to the oldest football stadium in the world. And along with that, its team is the third oldest football team in the whole world. Uh, but unfortunately, they may have been going a long time, but that hasn't necessarily meant wisdom or success uh, for this club. And until two years ago, they were positioned outside of the Football League, and they had been stuck where they were for about 15 years. But around two years ago, uh, seemingly out of no nowhere, this inconsequential football club uh, was bought by two actors. Uh, one is Ryan Reynolds, who um, may be more familiar to you, and the other one, who probably we'd never heard of him before, uh, is a guy called Rob McElhenney is how you pronounce it. Um, and they bought Wrexham Football Club for the small sum of £2.5 million, which in football money isn't a lot. Um, in this really odd and surprising uh, move, it was previously owned by the fans before then. Uh, these two actors, they live in uh, the States. They have no ties to Wrexham whatsoever. But, um, and from what they've read, they didn't even really have much of a knowledge of football. Um, but watching what they've done as they have bought this club, 
as they've put all their Hollywood money into this club, has really been inspirational to watch. And that's kind of what's got, got us interested in it. You know, what they have invested into this club, in, into this club that really wasn't that great, um, it hasn't just impacted the football, it hasn't just impacted the players, but it's had this impact on the whole area of Wrexham. Yes, they've invested in the stadium and they've invested in some players, but what they've also done is they've sowed into the wider community. They've put money into the women's team who were all um, amateur, they're semi-professional now, and they've made sure that their stadium and the game is accessible to everyone in the community who would want to come join in with them. And along with this, some of what seems to have attracted them to the area um, is that it's really raised the hopes and the aspirations of this working low-income area, similar to the ones that they themselves grew up in. And what's been amazing to, to watch is that actually what has surprised them as investors is as they've bought this club, they've put their time and their money and their energy in there, and they've moved from being investors in the club with just their money and actually, what you've seen is them become really passionate about this club. But for them, the, the truth is that they probably wouldn't have won if they hadn't done the other. If their money hadn't gone first, their hearts wouldn't have followed. Now, how does this relate to what Jesus is saying? Well, another way of saying what Jesus is saying in this passage is this. Show me where you spend your time and your money and I will show you where your heart is. Whether we know it or not, as we live out our lives, we are making investments each and every day. And for each of us, we have resources at our disposal, and what we do with them speaks volumes about us. And also, if we take the time to stop and consider them, it shows us a lot about ourselves as well. And at the beginning of this passage that we're focusing on this morning, all about money, if you were to look at the message version uh, of the Bible, this section of scripture, it is entitled, A Life of God Worship. And maybe as you come to read that, it might be a bit of surprise to you that worship and money would appear in the same breath. And we've just started out this morning, haven't we, with a time of worship. Each week, we spend the, the first part of our morning focusing on being present to and bringing ourselves to Jesus before we do anything else. And if you're just finding out about us uh, as church, that will tell you that it is really important to us that we do that. We would say it is our highest priority as a church that we learn to be worshippers before we do anything else. And if you've been around us for any length of time, you'll also know that we believe is, worship is not just about the songs that we sing. We believe that the Bible shows us that worship is about our whole lives. And this is why Jesus starts uh, where he does as he talks about money because he's just drawing a line under, he's emphasizing that as he talks about money, because he's telling us that worship is something that we do with every resource that's available to us, and that includes our money. We worship with our money. 
And we're created to live a life that invests, which sows into something, something bigger than ourselves. And if you're an investor, if you've ever put money into stocks or shares or however that works, if you're a good investor, you're going to be placing your money that you have into something which you believe and you hope is going to grow and mature and multiply. You're not expecting to just, your money to just sit there. You're expecting it to do something and to have an impact. But as we come to this passage and we consider money, we automatically can start to think of things, don't we? The items that, as the money that we earn comes in and then it goes out, whether it's on our mortgage or our rent, the bills that we pay, the car that we need to run. And if we've got some flexibility in our budgets and there's something left at the end of all of those obligations, it's the holidays that we take, the clothes we buy, the social things that we do, and the list goes on and on and on because these things take up a lot of space in our heads, don't they? But as people following Jesus and looking to him for how to do life, this passage presents us with Jesus suggesting that there is a different way to view our money, a different starting point where we don't look at our money as this pot which is already assigned to the responsibilities and the demands of life, which often looks like things, but that we actually approach our money with a vision attached to it a vision of building and investing in a way of life which is more than just a wish list of things that goes beyond ourselves and lasts beyond our lifetimes. And what Jesus is saying to us is don't focus on things which could and ultimately will be taken from you because those things will ultimately disappoint us sooner or later just simply because those things will age, they'll break. They could be stolen. And well, ultimately, we just learn that those things don't fulfill us. Jesus points us in the direction of a different way of living. And so when we come to these decisions of how do we do this? How do we spend our money in light of all that he says? What do we do with it? Whether it's the little that we have or whether we have got a bit more flexibility, there is some more money. That comes from knowing the answer to the question, what are we worshipping? Because the things that our life is focused on, that is where we will sow. We are always living from where our hearts and our minds are focusing on. Now, we all have some basic needs in our life, don't we? You know, for all of us, we are looking for security. We want to live our lives feeling like we're safe, that nothing's a threat to us. We want the stability that that brings to our lives where we don't fear what's around the corner because we absolutely want peace and we, we want a life that is free from stress and worry and anxiety and fear. And the reason why we look for those things is because when we feel that we've got them in place in our lives, they, they give us a confidence, don't they? That assurance that we're okay, that we're important and that we're on a sure footing in life. And God's intention for us is that all these things are found in Jesus. But because of the culture that we live in, it's really easy for us to begin to order our lives 
buying into all that we are told and the lie that it is actually money that will give us all of these things. And money in itself, as we've said, it is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It is a resource that we have, that we have some decisions what we will do with it. But this is true when money sits in its right place in our lives. When the balance starts to tip and we start to elevate money in our lives and, and, and God falls lower, this is where things can start to get out of balance for us and we begin to really feel it. And for us, it can start ever so easily and ever so subtly. It can start off looking like, actually, it's a good idea and maybe even, actually, it's the most responsible thing to do. Now, I'm a parent. Uh, Rich and I have got three children. And like all of you who are parents in this room, you know, we want a really good life for our kids. We want them to have everything that they need, and we want them to feel secure and confident. But for us as parents, if we go through our parenting uh, journey with them, basing meeting this need purely through our finances and the things that we can give them, through us earning more and more and through us looking to money to provide that security for our family. It's going to lead us to making every key life decision ahead of us in the next 5, 15, 20 years being made with our finances as our priority. And as I look ahead to living life in that way, and when I look at the what the impact of that would be, the thing that will outlast us as we do that is it is becoming what we're modeling to our children. We start to show them that actually money's where you look for security. Instead of leading our family in a way where we're building our foundations on Jesus. And, you know, our vision for our family is that we show them a way of living that Jesus is modeling to us a life where we're building our security in Him. It will give them the freedom to step into all that He has for them with confidence and freedom because hopefully He's seen us do that too. You know, for some of us, it can look like the promotion that we go after or the business decision that we take um, with the, the take-home figure being the deciding factor and not the wider life impact that that decision has. It can look in small ways like the solution to us having a bad day or feeling a bit low being that we head out to the shops to try and buy some confidence to draw and find some happiness in clothes that we buy or the new gadget that we buy to fill our time. But Jesus' warning to us is to not be distracted and ultimately not blinded by money, that what we focus on is what we fill ourselves with. And the Amplified Version of the Bible puts it like this. It says the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is clear spiritually perceptive, your whole body will be full of light and benefiting from God's precepts, from his way of doing things. But if your eye is bad, spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness, devoid of God's precepts. Money is powerful because it alters our view when we focus on it. And it can be deceptive because it can lead us to thinking that we're rich in terms of wealth. But actually what we've missed is, is that we're not. We can find ourselves financially rich, 
but spiritually poor. And there is a danger that if we begin to live our lives in this way which gives money the power to be the decision maker, we begin to find that rather than us using money as a resource, it moves to become the ruler. It becomes the thing that's driving the decisions that we make and determining the focus and the direction of our lives. And I don't know if you've heard the saying that money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And the Bible warns us that whoever loves money never has enough. And maybe you've experienced that. I think we probably all have at one time or another, haven't we? That feeling of finally getting that thing or earning that figure that you've got in mind or reaching that milestone in your finances only to find that that thing that you've been chasing after, that thing that you thought was the thing, actually it doesn't complete you in the way that you imagined or hoped that it would. That the feeling of needing just a bit more hasn't gone away and actually ultimately it's, it's leaving you living in a way that is just robbing you of your peace. And for many of us getting to the root of beginning to live with a healthier relationship with money is all connected to fears that we have about really whether our needs will be met. We may have experienced times in our lives, we may be, even be living in this place now, where there's been scarcity and struggle, and it's had a long-lasting effect on us. So we, we live from a place of just craving that financial stability for ourselves, so we never have to live in that way and experience those feelings again. Maybe it comes from a slightly different angle, that we have always known financial comfort, and we have a fear of experiencing not having enough, and that is a huge driver for us. Maybe we've never had to rely on God to come through for us financially before, and he's bringing us to that point where we need to trust him. You know, it's not wrong to look to have enough, to not worry about where the next meal is coming from, to be able to buy your kids the things that they do really need, or to be able to buy a home. Nice things in themselves aren't bad. But the point at which we shift from being in a healthy place with money to an unhealthy place is when what is enough doesn't feel like enough anymore, when our security and our happiness rest on having that next thing, and that's what we're stretching for. And when chasing the feeling of enough is what drives us, this can look like money becoming the constant focus for us, or that huge source of stress and anxiety. We begin to be consumed by those things that we feel we need to be consuming. And the temptation to rely on money as a means of control, it is really strong for us. But as we've said, Jesus is inviting us into this different way, and that's where we want to head over the course of this series. Because when we focus on Jesus and on God's way of viewing money, as we're doing this over the course of this series, it begins to change our hearts. It allows light into our hearts and minds and, and all of our lives. We begin to have a different vision behind our lives and our finances and our spending, which isn't about need and striving and dissatisfaction or the cultural pressure that we experience. It is absolutely possible that we may be financially comfortable and provided for, but still live with this scarcity mindset 
because really at the root of that is our fear that God can't be trusted. So what do we do? We, we do what we do in any area where we feel like we can't trust God. We begin to take things into our own hands. But what Jesus would have us do is, as we journey through life with him, is that we increasingly start to grow our roots down into our faith in him. So that when the financial winds of life come, when those things that we just don't expect just feel that they might knock us off our feet, actually that we are rooted and secure in who he is and his promises for us. And that enables us to be secure when we've got little and secure and solid in what we do with it when we have much. So where do we start to lean into this new way that Jesus is pointing to? It sounds a great direction to be heading in, doesn't it? But practically, what are the first steps for us as we do that? Well, the theologian N.T. Wright, he sums it up as this. He says, we shouldn't imagine in this passage that he, Jesus, means don't worry about this life. Just get ready for the next one. He ultimately cares about where we are now. He says, heaven is here where God is right now and where, if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present, not just the future. And how can one do this? Learn to live in the presence of a loving father. Learn to do everything for him and him alone. You know, the gift that we have through Jesus is that we have access to this new way of living where we can begin to see and to experience life in a way where we can live out of the reality of God's love and his care of love, his anticipation of our needs that we don't need to worry about it because he's already got of it, got this. He goes ahead of us. And as we do this, as we begin to live from this place, it just releases such freedom for us. It allows us to live without the worry of what is ahead and not having enough. And instead of living with a clenched fist gripping onto what we have, we begin to loosen our grip and to hold lightly and gratefully for what we do have. It absolutely opens our hearts to generosity and to gratefulness. And I was reading uh, recently about this um, idea of somebody who had built in for themselves into their life, no spend days recently, to be intentional about having days where not a penny is spent. And as I started to think about this yesterday, I went into the day thinking, I'm, I'm going to give this a go. And actually, what it showed was actually what a huge driver that is. How we go, I just went through my day thinking, well, the kids need this and I need to sort that and this is coming up. And just to stop in that moment and just not go there. And to actually take that moment to just be grateful for the things that I did have around me to just trust that, actually, I can deal with that thing tomorrow. But it just shone a light on, actually, just the everyday pressures in life to accumulate and spend. I I would encourage you to do it. It was quite an eye-opener. You know, to do, to build these good habits into our life, we may need to plan that we've got food in so we can cook the tea and anticipate what we might need for the day. But It just gives our minds and our days a break from need. 
and from want and to focus on what we do have. I just found as I went through the day, I was like, oh God, I'm so thankful for our home. I'm so thankful for what we do have. To just find ways to be grateful for what is already there that so often when we're focused on what's ahead, and some of those are good things that we need, but we we just miss that opportunity to be grateful and at peace and at rest with God and his provision for us. And I'm really resolving as we head towards Christmas and the busyness of that to try and do that for a day each week. As we live in this way that Jesus is calling us into, we enter into being stewards of money rather than servants of money. We see ourselves as people who God has entrusted to look after something for him as an investor and not a consumer. But our starting place for starting to live like this is absolutely living from that knowledge that we know that we know that we know that we are loved. And if you're here this morning and money is a huge concern for you, it is weighing on you, it is keeping you up at night and you are struggling, I would want you to know that God absolutely sees you this morning and he cares really deeply about you and your finances and all that you're going through. You know, we live in a broken world. It is not perfect. There are things outside of our control and maybe even regret for things that have been inside our control, things that we wish we hadn't done or decisions that we wish we hadn't made. But whatever the reason it is that you find yourself in that place this morning, you know, look at the Bible. It is full of God's care for those who are struggling. You know, he wants to be able to take our shame and the weight of those things from us as we come to him. He wants to be active in our lives and to bring us peace and allow us to turn in a new direction towards him and allow him to lead us into freedom and restoration in this area. We absolutely believe this as a church. And that's why we run Storehouse, the food bank that we run. Um, We also invest time in things like cap, cap money. We believe in and want to demonstrate God's heart of compassion, if that is the place that you're in. The Bible shows us that our money, however much we have, it is not ours in the first place. We are entrusted with it. Everything that we have is a gift to us from a loving father, and he's interested in what we will do with it. Now, if I lend something uh, to somebody, if somebody asks to borrow something that's mine and and I I give it to them, I'm absolutely trusting them with it, aren't I? I'm trusting that they're going to look after it and that they're going to treat it with care. And God is looking to us for the same. You know, as we step into this new way of looking at our finances, ultimately the goal, the the what the product of this can be is that we have the opportunity to bring God glory through the ways in which we manage our finances, the ways in which we spend and we save, how we handle debt that we might have, and how we show generosity in the way that we do life. And we're going to cover more of this as we journey through this series. God's intention for us is to grow hearts which are undivided, in the direction that they're living in. This passage says you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. 
and adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. It's blunt, it's strong, isn't it? Devotion to one immediately takes away from the other. And to move from being a servant to a steward when it comes to our finances involves us surrendering our way of doing things and changing what the focus is on. Nicky Gumbel, who if any of you are doing Bible in a year will be really familiar with, he says this. He says, don't focus on how much money you can make, but how much good you can do. Jesus himself tells us further on in this chapter of of Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. When we seek Jesus first and build in the treasures of his kingdom first, we don't have to worry about the other things that seem so important and vital. The place where we're living from, where our heart is, it is beginning to shift Rather than accumulating more and reaching the enough which never comes, we get to step into the privilege of using what we have to invest in things that last beyond us from a place of safety and knowing that we're loved. Now back to Wrexham. The reason why I find this story so compelling is for me, it's just it's a hint at a kingdom story, isn't it? I don't know whether the two men who have bought this team have any faith at all, but when I read this story, all I see for me is what it looks like when we invest in the things of heaven. When we take what we have, you know, millions to one can be five pounds to another, whatever is available to us, and placing it somewhere where it might multiply, where it would serve more than ourselves, where it takes our hands off it, for the benefit of others, to grow something bigger than ourselves that outlasts us for the glory of God and for the sake of the kingdom and all that he would do and bring.